What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News right here on MNN2. We are here to present you with a nice blast from the past. This is TSC News Hall of Fame edition. We just had WrestleMania weekend. We had the WWE Hall of Fame. So we're going to look back at some of our most memorable interviews with not just WWE Hall of Famers, but UFC Hall of Famers. We're going to look at some interesting facts about certain Hall of Famers. And we're going to chat with Michael Kingston, New York's own headlocked comic book author, a man who is actually creating yet another comic book, this time with not one, but two major WWE Hall of Famers. But first, let's get to our resident Jets fan and a man who is the king of random wrestling facts, dropping wrestling knowledge like he's from college. I'm talking about our buddy, fellow podcaster, the people's podcaster, Scott Anderson. All right, Scott. Well, it is the week after the Hall of Fame WrestleMania NXT TakeOver, the wild and wacky WrestleMania weekend. What facts have you got for us this week? And what the hell are you wearing? Well, as you can see, I'm trying to cover up my face a little. I have my Jets hat on. I have my cool jet sunglasses on. I'm kind of ashamed right now. Not ashamed, but I'm in hiding. We signed Josh McCown this week as our quarterback. A lot of people think he might be a little bit of a step down even from Fitzpatrick. So I'm trying to conceal my identity just a little bit for everyone. So got to kind of go into hiding when I can. You know what I mean? It is understandable. I mean, I'm a it Giants is. fan. I guess I can't really complain too much. I'm, I'm sorry about the Jets and... I'm sorry. I, you know what? I will, I will apologize in advance for the 2017 season and say I am sorry for the Jets. Well, I'll apologize for Geno Smith and we're even. <laughs> oh, God forbid Eli Manning goes down. So, so Scott, what have, you got for us, <laughs> what have you got for us this week? All right. Well, this week, let's see. We have some interesting tidbits. We'll start out with Teddy Long, just recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. He started out as an errand boy for Tommy Rich and Abdullah the Butcher. He worked the ring crew. Worked his way up to being a referee, a manager, commissioner of SmackDown, commissioner of PCW. He, he's been around business for a long time. It was really cool to see his induction this past weekend. Thought that was an interesting tidbit there. How's about Beth Phoenix? She was the 1999 New York State Fair amateur wrestling champion. As you all know, she is the youngest ever inductee at 36 years old as well. And cool tidbit, her and Edge the first couple to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that, that was kind of interesting. And on a personal note, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express were inducted this past week as well. That was the tag team that got me into wrestling back in 1985, watching the old NWA footage there with the, if you remember all the flags around the, uh, the setup, I saw those guys come out, thought it was really cool at the time, been hooked ever since. So that's what I have for you this week. Awesome, Scott. Thanks so much, bro, and uh, good luck being a Jets fan this season. 
and same to you for the Giants. As I mentioned last week, there is only one Scott Anderson, and there are very few men and women who can call themselves WWE and UFC Hall of Famers. We're thankful to have chatted with a number of them over the years, and we're going to take a look back now at two of our most memorable UFC Hall of Famer interviews. One with Mark the Hammer Coleman, two with the only Triple Crown champion in UFC history, Dan the B. Severin, two dudes who used their wrestling prowess to advance to the top of the mixed martial arts mountain. Fred Ricciani for the Sports Courier at the Action Martial Arts Hall of Fame weekend at the Tropicana with UFC Hall of Famer Mark Coleman. Sir, what brings you here today? Uh, well, just a, a last-minute um, notice. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Frank Patino, who's uh, he wrote a book on uh, living a clean life, and, and I'm helping him promote his book and, and uh, here promote myself. I got to meet so many fantastic people. Just uh, I think I'll be back next year. This is just a great event. Now, this weekend is celebrating martial arts. One of the martial arts we're celebrating, of course, is mixed martial arts, which you made your name in. You were recently at the UFC 20th anniversary show. Looking back at your illustrious career and seeing how the UFC has grown, I mean, what are your overall thoughts on where the UFC has gone to and where they're going in the future? Well, I always felt from day one, to me personally, uh, when I saw UFC 1, I was mesmerized and amazed, and, and I personally felt like it could be the biggest thing ever if people did it right, which uh, they have. Dana White, uh, the man works night and day. The Fertilla brothers, uh, they thankfully they're on board because we need them and and they're going to, I anticipate them taking this where Dana says. They're going to be the number one sport in the world and, and I think it'll be there. Are you officially retired from MMA or are you leaving that door open for one more fight? Well, I, I don't know if I'll ever re officially retire. I, I sort of did, but because I had I had hip replacement about a year ago, and I thought that was going to wipe me out. But uh, actually, uh, the new hip feels a heck of a lot better than the old one did. So, yeah, the door's open. I just got a lot of work to do. I don't think I want to fight a John Jones or anything like that. But uh, if, if I get the right opponent, the right offer, or maybe overseas, maybe somewhere. Yeah, you know, I, I stepped in that cage last night. Uh, as a guest and uh, every, every time you walk in there you get that feeling and uh, certainly I miss it I think everybody misses it. Now you see a lot of fighters especially over the last year King Mo, Rampage Jackson going into the world of pro wrestling would you be open to doing more pro wrestling bouts? Well I, I did a lot of pro wrestling over in Japan and uh, that was fantastic it's a it's a heck of a challenge it's a lot harder than most people think I loved it um, I think here in the United States, it's it's for the younger guys, so it might have passed my time on that. But I think that would have been that have been fantastic to do that a few years back. Uh, we'll see, maybe to do a couple cameos or something. But uh, I, I got a ton of respect for pro wrestling, and if I could, I sure would. Fred Ricciani for the Sports Courier here at the Action Martial Arts Hall of Fame weekend, joined by our old pal Dan the B. Severin, UFC Hall of Famer, and Mr. Severin. What brings you here today at Atlantic City? Well, I mean, when you look around, it's, it's basically the, uh, the martial arts sports extravaganza. You name it between Taekwondo, Judo, Karate. You know, it's, it's all here underneath one roof. Back behind the curtain, there's competition that's taking place. It's, uh, I'm just one of the cast of characters that they have here. Now, you're at the UFC 20th anniversary show. 
and everybody was just tweeting and, and Facebook. And I don't know if you noticed, everybody's saying, Dan Sever never ages, Dan Sever never ages. I'm like, I knew this already. I see you every year at these things, man. What is your secret to aging? Well, let's say that I have a home in, in Michigan and a home out in Arizona. Now, it's, it's located in Fountain Hills, Arizona. At one point in time, maybe they charted it as the uh, largest fountain in North America. Is it just a fountain or is it the fountain of youth? Never know here right now. Interesting. And you, you do look great. Now, a couple years ago, I asked you if you'd ever fight Don Fry. You said only if Just For Men could sponsor you guys. Exactly. Did that ever work out? Just For Men, Schick, Gillette, you know, razor blades, shaving cream, whatever else. Maybe we'll even throw Old Spice into the, into the swing of things right there. No, it has not. No takers. Now, Don still has the more bolder, darker stash than the Beast, but I'm the originator. That you are, my friend. Now, we're also here for our friends at Bullion. We're kicking it. And just to let everybody know, how did martial arts come into your life, and how has it positively affected you, besides the obvious, of course, which is your beautiful gold belts? Well, I mean, it, it's affected my life in a lot of different ways. I mean, I'm really big on kids' charities. I, I, I always have been. I'm... Uh, I work with several different charities. Kicking it is simply just one of them. I'm big about kids, just for the fact that kids don't get a chance to pick out who mom or dad is. They don't get a chance to pick out where they have to live. They are a victim of their circumstances. Although at a certain point, they learn what is right and what is wrong. If they do wrong, it's because they choose to do wrong. But I'm still, I'm, I'm willing to give them a little bit more forgiveness, stuff like that. You hit 25 and on, I write you off at that point in time. You're an idiot. That's what I refer to you as. And do you think that martial arts should be incorporated in schools? Because we see gym class, and they got dodgeball, and they got basketball and football, and that's great and all. But you would think, especially at this point where mixed martial arts is at, that they would start incorporating classes. I, I could see that being in there. But, again, if you don't have the right leadership things in that in place, what, is it really going to be mixed martial arts? Is it going to be this watered-down aspect of mixed martial arts? Good friend. Man, I gotta say, as big of an MMA fan as I am today, they sure don't make them like they used to. Mark Coleman, Dan the B. Severin, definitely one of a kind. Well, two of a kind. You know what I'm saying, though. And now to the WWE Hall of Fame portion of the show. First, before we go back in time and check out some memorable wrestling interviews, we're going to chat with New York's own Michael Kingston, author of the successful Headlock comic that's been crowdfunded many times on Kickstarter. And the latest edition is this close to reaching its goal. And he's going to tell us about why maybe you should be supporting Kickstarter and the background behind this awesome comic. 
we have right here a very special guest. He is a comic book author. He is the self-proclaimed king of New York. He is an honorary Four Horsemen, and he is a man that may be the 12th cousin of New Day member Kofi Kingston. And he's got an awesome new book coming out. He's here to talk all about it. He is the headlocked creator, Michael Kingston. Mike, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you've been kind of busy WrestleMania season. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a little hectic this time of the year because WrestleMania season sort of dovetails with the beginning of convention season for Comic Cons, and uh, you know it's usually a lot of a lot of sleepless weekends. Now you're a guy that has been having some successful crowdfunding campaigns for a number of years with Headlocked. Some wrestling fans may be familiar with it. Some that are watching for the first time may not. Can you tell us a little bit about Headlocked and how you came up with the concept? So I've been a wrestling fan and a comic book fan since I was eight years old. And, you know, to me, wrestling, comics never did wrestling the right way. Um, you know, it was Undertaker fighting demons or uh, Kevin Nash's Mad Max. People remember the, the Ultimate Warrior stripping Santa Claus naked um, and stealing a suit. Like, there's a lot of lowlights when it comes to wrestling comics it became apparent to me at some point they were never going to make the wrestling comic that I as a wrestling fan wanted to read. So I decided to make it myself. And so I created this comic book called headlocked, um, which is a story of a, a kid who's a theater major in college who falls in love with wrestling sort of unexpectedly. And then he, uh, he quit school and it's his journey through the business starting on day zero. So it's sort of like an HBO style drama, but, uh, you know, at the same time we're sort of examining the craft of wrestling through the eyes of a performance artist. So, there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, we've had a lot of different wrestlers contribute to it. All the art in the book is done by actual wrestlers, which I love. Jerry the King Lawler paints the covers, and then the interiors are done by Mikel Molapolo, who's a Samoan wrestler from New Zealand, former tag champ with Haku, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but, uh, you know, having having guys in wrestling be a part of the book is, is, is really cool to me, and having wrestlers do art for the book that's about the art of wrestling is... You know, I don't know, as meta as it gets. Jerry the King Lawler, he's a guy that's done some art before for uh, Mick Foley. He's a, a low-key awesome artist and, and somebody that's always kind of had a passion for it outside of wrestling. How'd you guys link up to do Headlocked? So it's the, the craziest thing. So I, you know, when I first started Headlocked, I wasn't hooked up with anybody. I just, we made a book and I was at Artist Alley at conventions selling stuff. And it's, you know, anytime you're an independent and, you know, you're doing things outside the box. It's always tough to get traction. So I sent Jerry a cold email through his through his website. Like I forgot I did it after I did it. It was like the biggest lark, you know, like, oh yeah, maybe Jerry Law will do a cover for me someday. And I forgot I did it, like I said. And maybe, you know, a couple of weeks later I get an email back from this account and then I think, ah, it's the webmaster, or, you know, uh email delivery notification or something, and it's actually from Jerry and it's this is my address. Send me some books. I'll take a look at it. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, still kind of trying to be cautious. And then I sent the books out and maybe maybe like a week later. So I get a phone call. And obviously, if, if it wasn't, if he didn't have such a distinct voice, I would have thought it was a, a prank or something. But it was him saying, you know, hey, I looked at your books. I'd really like to do a cover for you. And, you know, he's the regular cover artist on the book now. And it's it's insane. Um, and you're in. People that don't know, Jerry actually got into wrestling through art. So when he was younger, he used to draw pictures of wrestlers and he sent them into the to the Memphis television studios. And Lance Russell put them on the air and then that led to him getting invited to the studio and meeting wrestlers, which 
eventually sort of led to him becoming a wrestler. So, you know, he told me one time, he goes, you know, when I saw your email, he goes, I remembered what it was like to see my artwork on television, you know, and Lance Russell had taken a chance on me all those years ago. So I thought it would be cool to, you know, to pay that forward to the next guy. So, you know, that's why he does what he does for me. And he's done uh, five pieces of five covers for me. Um, we do comic cons together. I consider him one of my, one of my better friends in the world. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's insane. Now you've crowdfunded all your books through Kickstarter. Yes. Crowdfunding for those that don't know is, is pretty damn hard, especially if you're going through Kickstarter. Now, correct me if I'm wrong from what I understand. If you don't reach your goal, you don't get to keep any of that money, right? Correct. Yeah. It's an all or nothing scenario. So, you're uh, you're basically you know sort of putting your stuff out into the world to you know to kill or be killed uh, so to speak and we've been really lucky um, you know with the names we've had attached to it and uh, you know the fan base we built so you know we didn't get on we didn't go on to Kickstarter right away I mean I had three four years of touring doing shows going to wrestling shows hand selling books and all of those things before uh, before we we attempted a Kickstarter and building relationships with enough guys to, to sort of put eyes on it. So that, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, they say the, the overnight success or whatever, but you know, we've actually, there was a lot of elbow grease behind the scenes to get it to the point where Kickstarter was a viable option for us. You have headlocked the hard way coming out. You have the Kickstarter still going at the moment. How's everything going with that? Can you tell us who you're involved with? it's a this is a ridiculous lineup you know and i i say it all the time when i'm you know i'm doing promos for it and it's still like i really can't always comprehend how cool it is but you know for this book we're, we're doing the the next five chapters in the headlock story and then uh the cool thing about kickstarter is we do uh we give the kickstarter backers extra content and it's stories comic book stories and art by some of the best wrestlers in the world and you know, we've had AJ Styles and Samoa Joe do stories and the Young Bucks and MVP and Rob Van Dam. And, you know, so for this book, we have Ric Flair, Mick Foley, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and Tugboat's doing art. You know, Fred Ottman, the Shockmaster, uh, Lindsay Dorado. And then for people who know comics, we have Robbie Rodriguez, who's creator of Spider-Gwen. We have Ed McGinnis, who's one of the creative forces behind Deadpool. Andy Belanger, who's... Uh, artist on Southern Cross for Image, but also an independent wrestler in Montreal. And then we just added Raphael Albuquerque, who's the artist to um, American Vampire, is one of my favorites. I mean, it's a ridiculous lineup. And then if we hit $25,000, we're going to have a story co-written by Penta L0M, the former Pentagon Jr., um, which is uh, insane, you know, to have this, this much talent packed into one book, you know, for a for an independent wrestling comic that, you know, still a ton of people have never heard of. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. It, it blows my mind that, w that we've gotten to this point. Thanks so much, Michael Kingston. Always appreciate the time. And now the main event of the show, we're going to look back at some of our most memorable WWE hall of famer interviews. You ready? You ready? So buckle up and enjoy this nice trip and kind of awkward trip down memory lane. Please be joined by WWE legend Mick Foley and future WWE Hall of Famer. How are you doing, sir? Uh, do you know something I don't know? 
one. You're just assuming I'll be a, a future WWE Hall of Famer. All right. I like the optimism. Thank you. Hey, we are kicking bullying, right? I mean, uh, I got a call just a few days ago, and I was told that uh, we were doing our best to, to kick out bullying. I mean, it's something that's completely preventable, unlike a lot of things that we're involved with, like Make-A-Wish and those type of things, which are very, which are sad, but sometimes inevitable. None of this is inevitable. All of it's preventable, and that's why I think, uh, I, I guess the idea is to bring out a bunch of tough guys, which I uh, kind of am, sort of, and uh, and send a message to people that bullying's not cool and uh, it won't be tolerated. And, you know, you are one of the wrestling's most unlikely world champions and, and legends and everything, fighting the odds, and it's kind of funny because the Mankind character, you know, always was a little odd, but at the same time was kind of like an everyman character that people could relate to, you know, Mrs. Foley's baby yeah. boy, reaching for his dream. How much do you feel like that character helped you connect with the audience? He was an everyman. If every man wore a brown, smelly leather mask and uh, talked to a sock puppet, but no, there were parts of that character. You know, he got beaten down, he kept getting up, uh, he kept picked on a little bit, and uh, I used some of my own life's experiences to make that character click, and uh, so I know a little bit about the pain that goes along with bullying, and that's why I think uh, I can speak about it a little bit. And how pleased are you with WWE's Be a Star program and how they're reaching out to oh, kids? Oh man, I think that's I think that's the best thing they've done. Uh, the fact that they're, they're just really behind it. TNA did a good job too with Eliminate the Hate, but I don't think they followed through quite the way WWE has. I mean, WWE's guys are out there, uh, they're in the public, they're making positive contributions, and and they're letting us know about it. So uh, if and when, if those rumors turn out to be true, and I do head back to WWE, that's uh, one of the things I'd really like to be part of. But I, I like it. I, you know, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy giving. It's funny because I won't spend anything on my own clothes or car, but uh, I, I like to help people out. So you're the anti-Rick Flair when it comes to the fashion? A, a little bit. Some people would say I was the anti-Rick Flair in the ring, too. Ow! Because <laughs> he was he was really good. And, you guys had a great match in TNA, too. He did. He did have a great match. I think it's called Impact now. So, yeah. yeah. Impact right that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, Nature Boy was part, part of that show with Shane Helms. Who would have thought back in the day when Rick and I didn't see I had beef back in the day. We yeah. were on uh, Charlotte today in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we raised a lot of money. So uh, it's kind of infectious. I think when, uh, when people see uh, one guy uh, getting involved, uh, it's easier for others to get involved, especially if it's as simple as showing up and then giving your support to a great group like this. What's one piece of advice you'd leave all the young viewers out there? There you go. Here it is. One of only two wise things I've ever actually written. Don't let anyone else define what being a success is. You get to do that for yourself. Professional wrestling and college football legend, Mr. Ron Simmons. And Mr. Simmons, what brings you here today at PWS? Hey, man. This is, you know, since uh, retirement out of the ring now, I never had the opportunity like to come out and really mingle and talk with the fans, you know, and answer a lot of their questions. And now I get this opportunity now, and this provides the, the atmosphere and the platform for me for to answer a lot of their questions, you know, and to give back to them, to thank them for all the wonderful years that they gave, came out and gave me support. So this is great. I'm enjoying it. And what's also great is a lot of your former stable mates at the Nation of Domination are having a lot of success. D'Lo Brown, a bit of a career resurgence in TNA with Aces and Eights. You had The Rock win the WWE Championship for the first time in over a decade. Mark Henry as well, former world champ. What are your thoughts All on your... Them. Savio Vega went on to have great success. You know, hey, look, buddy, you know, when we formed that nation, right, we formed it with a group of guys that were, you know, already proven wrestlers. You know, some of them come from a long history of wrestling in their families. So, you know, it was almost 
certain that each one of them will go on from the nation and become successful in the ring and out of the ring in whatever we've done. And I'm being joined by uh, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Mr. Bob Backlund. How are you doing, sir? Good. You got it right. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Having a great day. You, know, you always had a clean-cut image. And um, you're also being in, inducted into the Hall of Fame, as I mentioned. And it's going to be in Madison Square Garden, a place that you have sold out. Uh, how special is it that you will be going into the Hall of Fame in Madison Square Garden? Well, that's basically that's where all my history is. That's where you know my career boss blossomed from nothing, and uh, uh, to and that was my goal when I left Princeton, Minnesota, in 1973 with a 1978 Chevrolet Impala, uh, a green one, by the way, and I had twenty dollars in my pocket. But my goal was to get to Madison Square Garden and uh, to get there and and to have the things happen to me. Uh, and I, one was my goal, not numerous times. I, I think I have more, so, uh, more appearances in Madison Square Garden than anybody in the world. But um, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it makes me very excited to be able to return to that building and to uh, 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 you know, basically thank the people out there in the world. That means all of you. Uh, I, uh, I love you and uh, I love what you did for me. You gave me the energy, you gave me the drive, you gave me the courage, you gave me the adrenaline, and uh, I, uh, I, I would never forget you guys. And you are, will go down in history because this is a record that no one will beat. You are the second longest reigning WWE champion in history. And right now, a lot of people like to brag about a lot of things. And currently, the current WWE champion, CM Punk, has been champion for over 400 days. What do you think about his reign and uh, how long it's been going in this modern era? Well, you can never say never to anything. Anything is possible. Uh, you know, there, there's in the right situation. You know, I just never use that term because uh, uh, you make goals and you focus on them. And uh, you know, if you keep those goals strong enough, you know, anything can happen. But um, um, I, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a watcher. I'm a doer. You understand? Yeah. I, I don't sit and watch things. I do them. So I, I'm not, a, I haven't followed professional wrestling a lot. Uh, uh, um, but I know uh, CM Punk, I know he's uh, uh, you know, a strong guy, he's a good guy. I don't know his background very much, and I hope that he has the, you know, the belt for a long, long time. That, you know, I, I, and that's somebody's goal, and they, they want to they wanna keep that, and probably he's got more goals as far as the belt's concerned. And, uh, um, you know, that's, I hope he... You know, does the best he could and uh, uh, put all his energy into it. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for everything over the years. I appreciate your comments. You're very motivating, and we will be back in the ring. Now, uh, Mr. Backlund, just one last thing. I'm done. That was one, my last comment. One last thing, Mr. Backlund. <laughs> oh, yes, he's done. <laughs> Woo! Those were some fun times. If you want to check out more of our exclusive interviews we've done over the years, once again, youtube.com slash the sports coyer, soundcloud.com slash TSC news. I guarantee you there's something for everybody. But folks, I'm going to get on out of here. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned because next week we've got a few surprises that we'll announce later on on social media. Until then, 
every Thursday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Manhattan Neighborhood Network, MNN2, YouTube.com slash The Sports Courier On Demand the next day, SoundCloud.com slash TSC News for the podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Follow me on Twitter, at Sports Courier, at Fred Ricciani, at TSC News on Instagram. Until next time, everybody, as always, enjoy the matches.